0: This is Aisle 42. You've probably heard about virtual kitchens, cloud kitchens, dark kitchens, and ghost kitchens. But when we go behind the mysterious descriptions and the sensational headlines, there's something really remarkable going on in the commercial kitchen industry. I chatted with Amrit Maharaj, the co-founder and chief operating officer at Coho Collective Kitchens a commissary kitchen and cafe community that's building what can only be described as a best-in-class co-working ecosystem for emerging food entrepreneurs. In this episode, you'll learn how these shared kitchens support job creation, foster entrepreneurship, fuel a local economy, spark creativity and innovation, transform food waste into premium meals for food banks, and encourage the growth of diverse and inclusive micro, small, and medium-sized businesses at the community level there's a lot going on here behind the scenes as you're about to hear this work aligns beautifully with the united nations sustainable development goals and i know you're going to enjoy this conversation the future of food is brighter because of local kitchens and people like this here's amrit maharaj from coho collective kitchens amrit we have not known each other for all that long but we've already found so much to talk about. I'm excited to bring everyone along for the ride and to chat about kitchens and cafes and community. But before we get to all of that, let's kick things off with a question that I know you know is coming. If you could imagine the perfect grocery store of the future, what would it look like?
1: Oh my gosh. I think it's all community focused. A lot of the options that we have right now that are growing and getting bigger and stronger, become the dominant force behind our grocery stores. So people that are creating and be able to create more and more, that just gets to a different scale. So the grocery store of the future is healthier options, better options, locally made options, showcasing all the different ethnicities and cultures that we have in our melting pot of society in different parts of the world. And I just would love to see more and more of a showcase for those young entrepreneurs or those new entrepreneurs coming up and having accessibility to bigger markets, but creating a grocery store that's inclusive for everybody. So having all the different options, all the different food varieties, especially as we're getting more and more dialed into people's idiosyncrasies of what they can eat, what they can't eat, what's available to them, what options are, should be having and healthier and better and indulgent ones as well. So I would love to see a grocery store and I know it'll come that we have just that all-inclusivity where everything is made locally, everything's affordable, everything's a good option, just depending on your taste and what you need to have.
0: That's a good zip folder. Good share. I like that one. (laughs) A few weeks ago, I got to see a Coho commissary kitchen in action for the first time. It was wild to see so many entrepreneurs working so hard, wearing such big smiles on their faces, making such amazing food. Thanks for the personal tour, by the way. Absolutely. But a Coho location isn't exactly a destination for us regular folk. Could you take everyone behind the curtain and give a rundown on what these kitchens are, who uses them, and what got you to start this whole thing? Oh,
1: those three great questions and love answering and talking about it. So, Commissary kitchens, shared kitchens, ghost kitchens, dark kitchens, there's so many terminologies around a shared kitchen space. So similar to what WeWork does for office space, we do for food entrepreneurs and food and beverage businesses. So we take industrial warehouses, we create the industrial cooking line, we put all the equipment in, and that's the technical part of it. What we're actually creating is community. We're creating community around food. We're creating spaces that are safe safe clean, meet health standards, have all the equipment that entrepreneurs need to grow and scale their businesses because they just don't have those opportunities now. It's too expensive to build your own space. There's too much risk going in before you even start or try and expand your product line. And there's too much going on in your own business to try and manage building out a kitchen space. So we provide a turnkey facility where you can walk into, have all the advantages of your own kitchen, but in a shared space. So when it comes to having community around you of different levels of food entrepreneurs, people that are just starting off, people that are growing, people that are already established, that are helping the people that are just starting off. So there's a lot of resources at your fingertips by being in a space with people that are doing similar but different productions. So we love being in the space. We love taking people around because you can just see that dynamic. There's production pods. People use the same cooking line. They just book off the equipment when they need it. They go back, they execute their product. So the nuts and bolts are very simple, but it's everything that happens after that. It's the, like you were talking about, people that are creating that have smiles on their faces. Sometimes they're scowls, sometimes they're stress. That's normal. This is something that we want to try and help facilitate the growth. Beyond With that comes a lot of the ups and downs that are in there, but the shared space is really that. It's a shared kitchen space, so you're sharing it with other entrepreneurs, you're sharing it with other businesses. We're able to work with them and other businesses to help bring down their costs. Because now you have a turnkey facility, you're not putting half a million, a million dollars up front into your kitchen. But because we have nine locations, we have 150 companies using our spaces at the moment, we now have group buying power as well. So we can help drive down their costs for their day-to-day goods so they can have better advantages to actually make the profit they need to survive and grow and expand and throw. So this started five years ago. So we're relatively new, but we're old at the same time, as my gray hair indicates, but nobody on this podcast will be able to see. Uh, It's been a fun ride. We started this as a community-based initiative. Myself, my partner, Andrew Barnes, we co-founded this five years ago together. We both had different worlds when we were coming into it. He was in tech, uh, senior director at EA Sports. I was coming from real estate development and our family business, and both of us were looking for something that made more impact. And this was a solution to that. We were very cautious when we started our first space, small one of 4,000 square feet. And over five years, we've grown it. And we've we've grown it because we see the need. We see the impact. We see the influence that it's able to have. And bringing people together and giving them a launching pad. We love to see the success stories out of our kitchen where somebody starts with a dream of having their own restaurant. They can't afford it. They start building up the audience. And now we have several companies that have started in our kitchen that have their own restaurants, bricks and mortar. They've graduated. We have other ones that started with us with an idea for a product, and now they're nationwide on grocery store shelving. So there's so much opportunity that we're able to give through our walls and give back and help, and we're very proud of the different levels. We even have nonprofit programs that operate operate out of our spaces that we're donating the space for. And they do meals on downtown east side. They do programs for immigrant women to help establish themselves in communities where they want to grow and feed their families and support people in their in their community. So there's so many different levels that we're able to do at Coho that we're so proud of. I know we'll get into it with the cafes and everything, but there's just so many levels now that we're able to offer opportunities within our own systems, within our own networks that we've been able to create over the last five years. So very very proud of the shared kitchen space, the community that's so that. It, We took Corin and his group through a few weeks ago, and we gently call it the orchestra of chaos, but it is. It's a community of people that are producing and producing their goods. They've got their head down, they're working hard, but they're still smiling. They're still talking with colleagues in different companies that are doing different things. They're sharing recipes, they're sharing ideas, collaborations, pop-ups. Even just if somebody seems down, somebody will poke them and see what's happening and check in on them. And our own kitchen managers do the same thing, so we're very Fortunate to be in such a great position. But I think that was a bit of a long winded answer to your three questions in there.
0: Yeah, I gave you a triple question so you can go on as long as you need. That experience being in that kitchen, I mean, I had it brought back all these feelings from my cooking days. And <laughs> I started at the age of 14 as a dishwasher and got quickly, you know, promoted to cook and making pizza dough at 2 a.m. and all that kind of stuff. And I've spent seven years in kitchens. And so walking into that space, seeing the dish pit, seeing the knives flying around, seeing, you know, steam, columns of steam rising quickly over someone's face and just all the, all the food stuff and all the great smells and all the camaraderie and all the hard work. You know, these are people that are, you know, they are working to make livable wages for themselves. Um, you know, some of them are taking their business, you know, to the next level. It's, it's an amazing mashup. So it's really quite something.
1: Really enjoy it, and the passion is infectious. I think you felt it, your colleagues felt it when you walk around. Just see everybody hustling and working so hard that even when we have down days, we just walk through the kitchen and talk with people, and you just get you rise up through their passion, their excitement, everything they're doing. Especially on Christmas time, it is nuts. But you just love being around it because that that uplifts everybody.
0: And you just got to stay out of their way. (laughs) They're busy. (laughs) They
1: are absolutely.
0: You get a get a baking sheet in the back of the kneecap if you're not careful. (laughs) So the rise and fall of ghost kitchens, it's been in the news lately. Things like post-pandemic eating preferences have changed. There's you know, decreased discretionary spending, elevated food costs. These things all play a role. There's also this underlying sentiment that people dislike ordering food from restaurants that they can't visit. Why do you think the Coho model is bucking this trend? Like what's the secret sauce here? A lot of it comes down to community engagement.
1: When this ghost kitchen trend started rising, everybody and their uncle wanted to open a kitchen and just have eight different brands under it, trying to serve everybody and make as much money as possible. And I mean, COVID was a scary time. People didn't know what was happening. People didn't know what was going to happen with their income or whatever was happening. But the Coho members that are doing the ghost kitchen side, they're engaging with their audience. They're creating a network with the product they're producing, but they're also meeting the people firsthand. When people are picking up the deliveries, they're going outside to talk to the delivery driver, or sometimes it's the actual person that ordered it, getting it directly from the producer. And they're really trying to create that story because they're passionate about their business. And that's one thing we're really proud of is just watching that passion of the entrepreneur in our space. And they've been able to buck that trend because they're connecting with their audience. They're not trying to make it transactional. They're trying to make it a relationship because they understand the value of having repeat customers. But they also see the value of people enjoying their food. That's their ultimate reward. They want to make sure that they're able to create that relationship where they get pictures back. Or they get Instagram feeds, so they get posts, they get likes, they get comments about their food because people are so passionate about what they've created. So our members are just so good at their marketing when it comes to that relationship. And if they aren't, if they have a little bit of gap, Coho wants to be there to help them too. And working with great relationships and people that we've started to have into our networks create opportunities. If their marketing isn't that strong, if they don't have the engagement, let's give them the tools. Let's help them grow. Let's help them succeed. Let's get them to that point where that engagement is just natural for them. But we've been very fortunate to watch and learn from these people that just know how to hustle and have that one-on-one or one-on whoever amount of people that they're serving in their audience and have that ghost kitchen experience, not be a ghost. It's not about being unseen. It's about being seen. It's about actually creating that dynamic where you have a relationship with your customer, and they've done such a good job with it. And we're very happy that our locations, our spaces are in areas where people are willing to come to. People want to come out and meet the entrepreneurs some of them are still a little sketchy. They are,
0: absolutely. <laughs> Not all but, of them, but some of them are.
1: Definitely are. And people are still willing to come down because there's a bit of creative side behind that too. People love to come to areas they normally don't go to. They're like, oh, let's go down there, see the actual person or meet the person or whoever it is. So we love that engagement that people have been able to do. So it's just, it's about the relationships and our, our, our members have done such a good job about that bucking the trend.
0: Yeah, I love it. So what is it about, For example, the Dumpling King and his burner phone ordering system and his time sensitive pickups. You know, why do those things get me so excited? I I think you must witness so much creativity from all these scrappy and passionate, you know, culinary wild cards. What are some of the standout stories uh, that are coming out of a Coho kitchen right now?
1: There's so many. It's just so much fun to help tell them
0: and be that conduit and help give them more of a voice. But the
1: Doubly King, the example that you gave, his burner phone, he really wants to do more of the outer edge type of promotions and marketing because he has such a strong brand. And it all goes down to the brand and the quality of the food. Everybody that's promoting has such a good product, has such an amazing quality offering that they're not just trying to mask it with great marketing or pizzazz that just takes over and it's not about the actual culinary experience that people are getting it's about people like the Dumpling King who have gone that next step where they've already got an amazing product everybody knows that and now it's just that experience of oh we've got an open house in east vancouver oh wait it's a dumpling king pickup oh, I have to text a burner phone. It just layers of that creativity that people like to get involved in because it gives them something different to experience. Who, like, outside of watching a movie where some drug dealer is doing a deal with a burner phone, you've never really heard that term before. But now he's creating this experience where people think it's a real estate open house, or they text him on a burner phone. It's only open for a certain amount of days. But there's other, there's great stories like that throughout our kitchen where people have just gotten so inventive and creative, and the collaborations that are coming out between our members are very, just so much fun as well. Where people are doing pop ups together and they're having blended ethnicities of different groups coming together and different food offerings so there's just been so much that we've been able to do and as we're growing our footprint into different cities outside of Vancouver into Victoria and Sunshine Coast there's class collaboration that happens that way as well Where we're bringing in pierogies from Mama Musi's from the Sunshine Coast and Gibson's and helping put it into a Vancouver audience out here that normally wouldn't have exposure to these amazing dump or these amazing pierogies that come from our family recipe there's so much fun behind it. And then out in Victoria, there's a new Indian pop-up restaurant that's happening in our space, Malabar Kitchen. And if you ever love spicy food and want something that actually makes your ears sweat, you're going to go there and you're going to interact with the members and the, the people that are actually making the food for you. And they're so passionate about it. They're so They're so wanting to tell their story about their heritage and their background and the food and what's happening. So you're just enthralled with it. So there's just so many different stories. People are trying to do these marketing and initiatives. And they have so much freedom because they don't have constraints. They're not a big business. They don't have to do the things that everybody else does. They can do things differently, and it's so much fun to watch that engagement, and then whatever way we can help to promote it as well.
0: Well, and you've got established businesses that are doing like R&D and innovation you've got renowned chefs who are using space to work on projects or to start something new and then you have an immigrant family new to Canada they need to make a living wage and they've got some recipes in their family in their family sort of scrapbook they're like we're going to bring this to market it's it's quite the mashup isn't it
1: It's awesome. And I'm a typical immigrant story where my parents came fully educated. My dad didn't get a job and had to go back and re-educate himself and put our family through everything we needed to get through to be successful. But they worked so hard for us to give that opportunity at COHO to immigrant families who are now coming in. And there's a great program called Flavors of Hope that offers immigrant women that programming that they can come in with a family recipe or a business they might have had back home, learn how to work in a shared kitchen space, get their business established here, give them the tools and watch them flourish. And Trixie's done an amazing job with Flavors of Hope to promote that within our walls. And we're so proud of that side of it. But there's just so many different stories like that that we're able to give those opportunities to. And that's what we really get our satisfaction or reward from is just seeing that success from everybody that comes through the walls and people that are trying to do it and grow it and maintain it. But you're right, there's established businesses as well that are able to grow and offer more opportunities for employment and expand their business. And we've got another great program called Goodly Soups, where they employ people from the downtown east side that might be marginalized or have a harder time to be employed and get them employment skills that make them hireable from other people. But they have a great soup offering as well. So it's actually quality food that comes out of the program that they're doing for helping people in our direct community. So, I mean, I could go on for hours about the different stories that are in our spaces, but there's just so many
0: examples like this that we're
1: able to do at Coo in our kitchens. It's
0: just, it's phenomenal. So much fun. So good. Renting kitchen space isn't a new thing, but you guys are making it cool. You mentioned WeWork. It's sort of WeWork meets Jamie Oliver meets Tina Turner's Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> <We're>
1: <laughs> showing, our, showing our age that we know that
0: reference. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but I can't help but see that this kitchen model is a very tangible example of the United Nations, like what they were thinking about with their 17 sustainable development goals. And for me, it begs the question like, Amrit, how far can this go? How many cities, how many countries are a good fit for this type of model?
1: It's amazing. The more we look into it, the more it's a need everywhere. And it's not a regionalized need for Western Canada. It is all over Canada. We've explored the United States, We looked into Europe, we looked for Australia, and this is not just us Googling, like actually visiting countries, going around with economic commissions, meeting food entrepreneurs in Spain, Germany, Holland, England, Australia, all over the United States. Again, very lucky, very fortunate, very grateful that our business is enabling these opportunities to come up now, but it's everywhere. There's so much need for people wanting to create or grow or establish more of a footprint for their food business in different areas. It just It's different cuisines. It's different needs. When you go down to Texas, there's a great barbecue scene down there. But a lot of that equipment is so expensive or out of reach for people that there is shared kitchens down there that have um, centralized cooking for barbecue, which is amazing. And it's awesome. And it's so different than what we would have up here. But same thing in Australia. There's many different opportunities for coffee shops, but they don't have production facilities for all their baked goods. But coffee scene in Australia is crazy. It's so good. It's so... Entrepreneurial and independent, but people want to have a space where they can create their goods, but they don't have it right now. Same thing to Spain, where there's so many regionalized products there that they want to get onto market. They can't because they don't have the, the chances. So, seeing this all over, we want to make sure that our backyard, Vancouver, Western Canada, BC, is taken care of. We want to help as many people as we can, but there's a great opportunity for us to grow and expand and be part of that story for so many different families, so many different lives, and so many different communities across Canada, across North America, and eventually globally.
0: Love it. Let's talk about the cafes, the stunning cafes, six locations in Vancouver, a notoriously competitive coffee shop town. Purebred is a remarkable Euro style cafe bakery. It's bucking the trend of that high turnover conveyor belt coffee. It's uh, with its chill vibes. It's more, but it's so much more than that. These cafes are community hubs in their own right. So what is it about these cafes that really make them stand out?
1: You hit the word right there. It's community. People feel like it's their bakery and their community. And it's like going to your grandmother's house or a relative's house where it's overindulgent. It's something that you're not going there if you're looking for a healthy option. You're going there because it's this great treat. It's this beginning of your day that gets it going right. It's the kids after soccer want to go to purebred because they want something that's sugary and enjoyable. It's you going to a dinner party and showing up with a blue box, not a Tiffany blue box, But a purebred boo box and people's eyes light up because they know what's in the box or they're excited to see what's in the box because they know what purebred represents. Because it represents community, it represents indulgence, it represents tasty. There's so much enjoyment that people get out of eating the food there that it's so much it's really fun for us just sitting and observing the reactions people see because sometimes the products are different on the day the person goes in so watching that reaction as far as like wow people are really enjoying the different opportunities that they have but it's all about community people feel like they're welcome the culture that the staff has created and the friendliness and their knowledge and their ability to recognize people that come in on a daily basis and what they're habits are what their favorite goods are they really gravitate towards that and that's all the credit to the managers of purebred the staff of Pure Bread, the original founders mark and Paula Lamming, did such a good job of just top down making sure that every customer experience is special everybody enjoys what's happening in the store when you go in you feel like you're welcome at any point at any location whether it's whistler whether it's vancouver whether it's yvr airport which just opened there's so many places where you feel comfortable you feel at home and then it's like, oh my gosh, what do I pick? Do I want a sandwich? Do I want savory? Do I want sweet? Do I want bread? Do I need coffee? Do I have a hot chocolate? And then you end up walking out with more than you intended. But it's so much fun to be a community bakery for the people that want it.
0: Paralyzed by choice would be what I would call my experience <laughs> at a pure bread cafe. <laughs> it's a little it. overwhelming uh, in a beautiful way, in a very, uh, very comforting way too. The cafes create an opportunity for your Coho Kitchen members to get paid to bake, to sell their food stuff. It's, it's a beautiful ecosystem that food entrepreneurs must get obviously really excited about. Why do you think this collaborative dynamic is working when so many other food production models are broken?
1: That's a very good question from our Initial impact. So, Purebred was an acquisition for us. We purchased the company in September of 2023. So, we're about three three months in. Just watching the culture and the dynamics of the two different businesses: Coho Kitchens, the shared kitchen space, and the Purebred Bakery, the cafe and bakery side. It's all about the same values, and the reason they mesh so well together is that everybody's focused in the community and helping each other. So, whether you're in a Purebred location and you're trying to find something to eat, you're going to get help. Whether you're one of the bakers in the back and you're trying to do a new recipe, you're going to get help. Whether you're one of the bakers in our kitchen, you want to get on the shelves at Pure Bread, we're going to help you. It's about helping getting that community story going, being homogenized together. Like you're talking about, things are broken right now. People are trying to be independent. People are trying to work alone to get the most money out of things. But if you work together, rising tides raises all boats, and we're seeing that. The more collaborative you can be, the better it is for everybody around you. The communities, the people that work with you, the people that work for you, the company's culture, everything works so well together. And bringing people's stories together and telling that story from a purebred aspect, from a coho aspect, there's so many different ways that we can relay that. And then getting products on the shelves that our members normally wouldn't get exposure to. Gives them such a big benefit and then the purebred side of things getting them into different marketplaces that they normally wouldn't get into so the cross-collaboration just being open and honest about what everybody's trying to do whatever he's trying to accomplish and how we can do that together and making sure that it's a unified approach and not fractured and everybody's in it for the same goal and the same goal is to help communities coho is here to help communities purebred's here to help communities and it's the same goal the same passion the same drive just different avenues of doing it. So the way that we're bringing those two brands together and growing it across Canada, growing across North America, is just about helping the communities and having that impact.
0: So good. What are some of the bigger pieces of the puzzle when it comes to environmental impact of these kitchens and all these independent cooks and independent businesses and this giant collaboration, which when it comes to being efficient and taking care of, you know, Earth and soil and food waste and, all, and energy use. How are you navigating that space? Again,
1: it's listening to the people that are using our spaces and understanding their needs, their pinch points, but their businesses as well. Like we could easily just be landlords and sign off on a lease and have them use the space. That doesn't do anything. When you actually listen to them, you all find out that, okay, as we grew from one location to two to four to six, okay, people are ordering the same or from the same distributor. But this distributor is going three, four times a week. Why not just order together and have one truck out? So ESG, the environmental, social, and governance impact. Environmentally, if you're only sending one truck to one location, but you're hitting 40 companies, rather than going to 40 different bricks and mortar spaces all over town, immediately beneficial to the environment from a pollution standpoint. And an efficiency standpoint and that way we can also offer our members better prices because it's one truck coming in so now they have economies of scale working as one big group rather than 40 individual companies so again very proud that we're able to be recognized in that okay what ways can we work with different distributors or suppliers or partners we recently have started partnering with stexo canada who's part of a large global organization because they have so many economies and efficiencies of scale that can help our members and help drive a lot of an impact and then layer in the food waste side of it. So again, we're very conscious of food waste. We're trying to recycle our grease, and that turns into fuel, which is great. That's part of our programming. But then food waste, there's so much food waste in our neighborhoods and our society as a whole. One of the great programs that uses our space is called Ono Vancouver, and he takes food waste. He's a chef full-time. He does this as a volunteer volunteer gig. He brings other chefs in. They volunteer as well. He gets food from a program called vancouver food runners they're a great nonprofit program as well they're connectors between grocery stores suppliers and people that have food excess waste they get a call from that supplier vancouver food runners goes picks it up brings it to Goho. they tell chef tj conley that hey look this product's coming in it's x amount of food he then immediately in his head comes up the recipe creates meals out of it Phones, Banker Food Runners back, they come pick it up and then distribute it to a lot of organizations on the downtown side, including lemon Spoonful and other uh, shelters and organizations around there. So he's taken food waste and created a story out of it and able to help feed people in our communities that desperately need it. And he's done, I think, over 150,000 meals in our space over the last few years, especially during COVID. It really wrapped up. So we're able to work with all different types of individuals and companies to help reduce the food waste in our society, but also turn it into meaningful, impactful meals through people like TJ Conway and his group, of Vancouver, who have done amazing things. So between working with suppliers on reducing the, the environmental footprint by having delivery trucks come in, delivery trucks go out, what are the ways that we can do group, group buying, help Reduce costs, but also that food waste side of it. There's so many different ways that we're trying to impact the neighborhoods around us, that ESG, that programming that is just going to keep growing as we get across Canada.
0: You guys are building something really beautiful. It's really remarkable. Thank you. Where can curious minds find more about coho and purebred and the journey?
1: So purebred.ca, cohocommissary.com. There's two different websites. Please feel free to check out our Instagrams, our Facebook, our TikToks, all the stuff that the young kids are doing nowadays that are hip and with it. I am a techno neophyte, so I rely on our amazing staff and the partners that we have to help push in those directions. But... Please do. If you come to cocommissary.com, you'll see a listing of all the members that use our spaces. You can help support local by driving business to them. You might find a new curiosity that you didn't know you wanted to try, and you can try it out and have a great experience there. And then come by one of our seven-period locations. We're up the sea to sky. We're in Vancouver at YVR Airport. You got a sweet tooth. You got a savory tooth. If you want to be the hit at Christmas time or a birthday party or whatever it is, there's so much enjoyment that you can get out of bringing that to somebody else, or just indulge yourself. Have a nice coffee and a, a baked good in the morning, and go off to work and have a, a little bit of a enjoyment before you get to get to the office.
0: Amrit, it's been really great chatting with you. You bring a. You bring local, the idea of local, the spirit of local uh, to something that's very tangible and exciting and enjoyable to everyone. And it's a beautiful thing. So to you and your team, thanks for everything you're doing.
1: And thank you and your team for supporting and growing brands that have now reached amazing heights. It's just been very proud to watch you, what you're doing, what you've done for the community around us. We're excited to have more and more to work
0: together on. Awesome. Thanks, Samir. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, it. That's a wrap on this episode. I am so impressed by the work they're doing over at Coho. On behalf of Ethical Food Group, thanks for listening. And thanks to those who have been sharing this podcast with their friends on social. Your endorsement means the world to us. I'm Corwin Hebert, and I'll see you in the future.